This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to say good morning to everybody. You guys doing good? I want to say that Darren and Wendy are up in Indiana right now speaking at a conference uh, for a a group of pastors, but they were actually, the church was started from people who were sent out of this house. So, so they're up there doing some ministry up there. So we say good morning. They're out. I'm in. So I get to say whatever story I want about Darren, which I do have one that I did not warn the team about. Um, but before, before I do, before I do, I just want to say that worship this morning was so good. It was so, so, so good. And, and immediately what I felt, yeah, can we give them a round of applause? Actually, that was... Thank you, worship team, for, for just giving all that you have. And the one thing that, that I, just, I just kept hearing is we were made for glory. We were made for glory. We, we weren't made to be bored. You know what I mean? We weren't made to sit around and say, like, I'm a believer and I read the word, and, and sometimes Leviticus is boring. You know what I mean? Like, that, that we were made for so much more than that. And that's actually one of the things I want to talk about today. But I want you to, to be focused on this word before I tell you a little story, that's actually one of my favorite stories on the planet. But I want you to be focused on this word, reveal. Everybody say reveal. Reveal. Everybody has on their heart something that they're wanting the Lord to reveal to them. Something. We can all agree, right? Everybody kind of give me one of these if you agree. Okay, I'm not the only one. Okay, praise God. I thought I wasn't perfect. Um, but we all have something that we are wanting the Lord to reveal to us. And, and t- today's message, we're, we're in the series Servolution, is all about what needs to be revealed to a servant before we step foot into any type of serving. So we're going to focus on three things that need to be revealed to us as servants before we do anything in the name of Jesus. We're going to be focusing on three words. Same with me. The first one's faith. The next one's hope. And the last one is... There you go. There you go. I heard it. I heard it. So we're going to be focusing on that, but can I just tell you all a story in two minutes? This is my favorite story. Darren does not know this story. I don't even think he noticed it, but it's something that I have carried with me since the day Savannah and I met. Uh, It's wonderful. We were sitting at a dining room table at at your parents' house, and we were eating. It was probably one of the first times that I was over, and I was 15, 15 or somewhere in there. Uh, and Savannah and I are super flirty, right? It's that weird, like, like giggly phase. Like, we kind of like each other. We're doing that, like, your dad's a pastor, so I'm kind of terrified, but I really like you kind of deal. And we're sitting at the dining room table, and I'm sitting across from Savannah. I don't think you remember this, but I do. And I start, you know, I'm, like, eating, and I start doing one of these. And then I feel it. I feel a foot. I feel a foot. And before you know it, I look over at Savannah, and she's smiling. We're doing one of these. We're playing a little footsies, and it's awesome. And my, my little, like, 15-year-old brain is like, I'm in love, and I'm crazy about you, and this is amazing. And then I step, you know, step back. I want to make sure I don't, you know, freak her out or whatever. So, so I'm, I'm eating, and we're eating, and then I start to, like, do it again, and I feel a foot. And I'm like, oh, here we are, but she's not smiling. And then I remember, wait a minute, she wasn't wearing socks. <laughs> so for those of you that have not, it hasn't like been revealed to you, I look over and Darren, who's, who's watching, I believe, Darren just does one of these. 
and looks right at me. I am playing footsies with Darren on accident, thinking that it's my future wife. So I want to know, I want you to know that I've been redeemed from that. We have talked. I've cleared it with the Lord. Men, before you step foot, no pun intended, just make sure that you know what's happening, okay? So, uh, man, I have wanted to share that story. Savannah, I don't even think you remember that, but I, I just, that will go down as one of my favorite moments with Darren. We have since become great friends. Uh, and amen, amen, amen. So that's a little story I get to tell that Darren is out. There will be more if I'm ever up here and he's not here. But whew, I'm just like reliving the moment and I'm like, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord. Well, guys, let, let, let's get started. I wanted to share that with you just to add some joy in the room. It's okay to laugh in church. But I want to dive right on in. Like I said, we're going to be focusing on the word reveal and the things that we need as servants before we step foot into anything that the Lord has asked us to do. Did everybody catch that pun? Anybody laughing at that? Okay. Yep, there it is. So here's what I have for you guys. We're going to be talking about three people that all represent something. So so put in your brain right now a few things. Number one, I want you to think about what is the thing that you are seeking revelation about. What is one thing? It could be multiple, but put on your brain throughout the entire message today. What is it that I have faith for? What is it that I'm needing to be revealed? What is it that I'm seeking? So please, 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 please have that in your brain the entire time. Because I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us today about that phrase, revealed. The next thing I want you guys to know is we're going to talk about three people. The first one's the rich young ruler. We've all heard the story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some things out of that. The next one, we're going to be talking about Peter, the disciple. And then we're going to be finishing up with one of the more beautiful stories in the Bible. It's the woman with the alabaster jar. So I want you to have those four things. That question, first off, what is it that I'm seeking revelation about? And then these three characters, the rich young ruler, Peter, the disciple, and the woman at the alabaster jar. I don't have really points as much as I have sections. So let's get started with the first one, which is the rich young ruler. We're going to be in Mark 10, Mark 10, 17 to, uh, through 23. Let me give you guys a second to get there. That is Mark 10 for 17 through 23. All right, let me get a, I'm there. If you're there, I'm there. Okay. All right, good. So let's start. Mark 10, 17 says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him saying, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus answers, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Everyone say, and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this point, the man's uh, face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And lastly, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, lots to unpack here. Lots and lots and lots to unpack. But what I want us to focus on in this passage is this. Two things, really. Number one, that it says Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. I love that Sergio said, we did not connect about this earlier, but, but, but Sergio is saying that there's no, 
There, there's no condemnation in, in the eyes of Jesus. When he looks at you, he's not condemning you. He's looking at you because he is dying to reveal something to you. And here's the really interesting part. I'm going to just be totally clean. I did not realize this about this passage until I was studying for this message. Because I always felt it was kind of weird that Jesus, you know, this man came up to him and then Jesus was like, why are you calling me good? It was like, I always read that. I was like, whoa, that's not very, like, welcoming. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like Jesus was super kind to him. Like, imagine if, like, the first impression team, someone came up and said, good morning, and the team was like, is it? <laughs> is it a good morning? Wow. You don't know anything about me. What if it's not good? Like, like that would be not enjoyable. But I studied, and I studied, and I studied, and I found out something. The word good. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Historically, and in, in, in just in the, in the uh, context here, the word good was never to be used when referring to fellow human beings, right? Rabbis at the time would, would save this word good when talking about the Father, right? So here's what's happening. Here's the first thing that we need to realize, okay? Is that Jesus is constantly, 100% of the time, wanting to reveal himself to you. Always. It's, it's an always thing. It's like if you open the door, you know exactly what you're going to find on the other side. It's Jesus saying, look, there's more to me. Hey, check it out. Here's what I've been trying to tell you. So here's what we have. This man runs up to Jesus. Jesus says, wait, why do you call me good? And if we, if we read it in the right context, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is asking, um, real quick, who do you think I am? Like, why did you call me good? And what he's doing is he's giving him an opportunity to realize who he's talking to. And then in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, he's not rebuking him. He's giving him an opportunity. He's giving him an opportunity to connect with him for who he really is. Guys, that honestly gave me so much freedom. Like freedom. Like, here's the deal. Jesus knows that we know a millionth of point one zero percent of who he is. And like, if we knew any more, I feel like our brains would explode. You know what I mean? Like, what if Jesus was like, okay, I'm going to give you what you're asking for, but it's going to kill you. Or you're going to be walking around and your face is going to glow. That happened. So Jesus knows that we know very little of him, but he is dying to show us who he is. So, so let, that first, let that first section give you some freedom to know that Jesus is not condemning you when he says, who do you think I am? Don't you remember who I am? No, he's not condemning you. The first thing we had to realize, again, what is he revealing to you? Okay, everybody has something that they're revealing. I'm going to keep doing, when you see me do this, and just remember, that's the question I gave you. Everybody is searching something to be revealed by Jesus. What we need to know is that he's always wanting to reveal himself. So what is getting in the way? Why is it so difficult? If, he, if, he, if he's always giving, we're always wanting, what the heck is the gap or what's going on? Those are some of the things that I want to talk about today. And the first thing getting in the way is condemnation. Is that Jesus just wants to give you freedom. He's wanting to, to uh, do a little switch. That's not really fair. We're giving him all these lies that we're believing and he's giving us the truth that he made us for his glory. So the first thing we need to realize is this, 
is Jesus is always revealing who he is to increase our faith. But we see in the story, things get in the way, distractions happen. Jesus then says, hey, after you sell everything, come follow me. Come follow me. But what do we see in the story? The the rich young ruler looks at all this stuff and says, I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually going to go count my gold coins or, or cattle or whatever it was that he was rich with. But how many times do we do that, right? Like how many times do we ask Jesus like, hey, will you reveal yourself to me? And he does. And then we compare it to what we own. Ah, it's so frustrating, right? In this passage, we see that Jesus says, I'm going to give you the treasures in heaven. I'm going to give you, 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 like, you think that you're loaded now, or you think that you've got gold, or you think you've got riches now. Wait till you see what I have for you. Again, Jesus saying, I want to reveal something even greater to you. But what do we do? We compare it. So Jesus might ask us to do something, and then we compare it to our, might not be riches today, but might be comforts. It might be like something like real cushy, a job. A location, a dream, it doesn't measure up to what you've been given. And guys, please don't hear like any condemnation. Like, please, please. That, that's like the opposite of what we're trying to do here. But, but what I'm telling you is this, is that Jesus gave you something inside of you that he wants to pull by revealing who he is to you. Why would we compare that to something that like we think we made or that we think we want? So we might have a dream, and Jesus says, let that dream go, because I want to show you something that's going to blow your dreams. It's going to blow your marbles. And then we go back and say, well, it doesn't really match up with my plan. Or like, oh, I wasn't really thinking you were going to ask me that. So the first thing that we have to have, the first thing that needs to be revealed to us is this, is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You know, that's the most important question on the face of the planet, is who is Jesus? Who's Jesus? And then Pontius Pilate says, what do I do with Jesus? He says that out to the crowd. He says, what do I do? What do I do with Jesus? What do I do with this man called Jesus? Have we asked ourselves that question? Like, Jesus, what do I do with you? Dave, where are you? Dave was, was, was praying this morning. He was like, the question the Lord gave me is, is, Lord, what do you want to do today? Do we ask that enough? Like, are we actually hungry to be, like, to, to receive something that he wants to reveal to us? So the first thing we need to do is know that we must have faith in who is Jesus. That's the first revelation we have to, we have to receive is who is Jesus. Now, I want to go ahead and show you guys one more person. We're going to move to the next character. It's Peter of the disciples. You guys with me okay? You guys doing good? All right. So again, what am I searching for? What is Jesus wanting to reveal to me? We talked about the rich young ruler not having faith in who Jesus was, although Jesus gave him an opportunity to know who he was. Let's jump over to Matthew 16, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Matthew 16, let me give you guys a little bit of time to get there. And Savannah, can you pass me a water? Or a, yeah. I'm excited because now that Savannah's pregnant, all she wants is those like cute Stanleys that all women have. So I get to have all the old water bottles. If you got a Stanley, can you just raise your hand, anybody? Yeah. You know, Stanleys like used to be like a man's cup. Like, Stanley's used to be bulletproof. Yeah, now they're like pregnant women 101. So, I don't know when that, when that changed, but thank you, baby. All right, everybody good? Everybody there? Matthew 16, verse 13 through 20. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? I'm going to spill that. I'm going to put it on the ground. 
Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed. Everybody say revealed. Revealed to you by flesh and blood, by by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to uh, tell anyone that he was the Messiah. All right, we got a lot going on here. Let's unpack it. We have another opportunity where Jesus is saying, hey, who does everybody say that I am? Well, this, or maybe that, or maybe you're this person. We don't actually really know. And then Jesus gives them a specific, guys, and a personal opportunity, a personal opportunity to answer the question once again. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And obviously we know the whole story. You know, Simon says, well, you are the Christ. And then Jesus later says, the world did not reveal that to you, but my father did. Again, guys, I I can't stress this enough. In your life, if you are needing that revelation or something to be revealed to you, we have to know that it is there. But it starts with knowing who is Jesus. Is this landing everywhere? Are you guys here with me? We have to even start our... Do you imagine if we started our day just saying, like, okay, body wrapped in flesh? Jesus is the Lord. Like, he's the king of kings. Like, when we sing Alpha and Omega, it means something. It's not like a, like a song. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like a declaration of who your team captain is, of who your king is, of who your president is, of who your leader is. Like, do we have enough faith to have hope? Because you see, guys, those are two completely separate things. They, like, they go hand in hand. Like, you, like, they really do go hand in hand. But, but do we have faith enough to have hope? So let's take a look at this passage. We're going to continue going on here. Peter did understand who he was, but he didn't really necessarily understand the rest of his mission, which is the next part we're going to get to. But let me read this, okay? I want to stop here because with the rich young ruler, he looked at all of his possessions and he compared it and he said, ultimately, you know what, Lord? I don't want to actually follow you. I'm good. I'm going to go count my cows and coins, right? I don't know why that popped in my head, but... But here's what we have in this story. Yet again, we have some distractions that happen. So it's a little confusing, right? Peter's, I should say it this way, Simon's name now becomes Peter. His name was already Simon Peter, but Jesus is now going to refer to him as Peter moving forward. We know that Peter in the original language means rock. Okay, here's what we did. And here's what we got to get back on track. Okay, religion made the rock about Peter. Religion made the rock about Peter and said, okay, that that man is holy. Like, that's the man. And then religion just took off and said, okay, well, then we've got, we've got God-like figures in the, in the earth and we have to listen to them. Oh, we got that so wrong, right? And then the Western church, forget that. For, the Western church made all of that about performance. You know, well, what can Peter do? Oh, well, I, I can do better than Peter. Peter's just a rock. I'm a building. I'm a stone. We got, into, we got into all these distractions when Jesus was saying two things to Peter. He said, number one, yes, I'm the Messiah. And number two, I have the hope of the future of the church, and I'm going to put that in you. Here's the second revelation. What needs to be revealed to us is that we are the hope 
for this world. That the church is not built on man or his accomplishments, but on his faith. On his faith. But listen, I have to say it this way. Faith will get you so far until hope takes over. So what's hope? Hope is the future. Hope is nice standing here knowing that I'm going to get across this lake even though there's a giant storm and and the guy I thought was going to lead us is taking a nap. That's hope. Faith only takes us so far where hope begins to take over. But we have to realize, guys, we have to, have to, have to realize. Am I yelling at anybody? Are you guys good? I get really passionate in Spanish and all that happens. But I wanted to encourage you guys with that, that number one, it starts with who is Jesus. Number two, we got to realize that he is the hope of the future. He is the hope. But now when I say future, I don't mean because this is another thing that religion does. It always talks about the future. Darren said that a few weeks ago. It stuck with me. Religion always talks about the future. Okay? Well, there is no time in God. There is no time. He's not waiting for anything. He's gentle. He can wait for us. But what if he didn't have to wait? What if we had the faith to answer every single day, Jesus, you are the Messiah, and my hope is in you. In my circumstance, my family, my job, my finances, everything, my hope is in you. Alpha and Omega, where do you fit in that? Well, you know what? I have enough faith to know that God started it and God's going to finish it because he is the Alpha and the Omega. My faith says, who is Jesus? My hope says, what is Jesus going to do? Oh, let's talk about love. Because love is my favorite. I want to finish with this really quickly. Still talking about Peter. We're still on Peter. But here's what happens next. Matthew 16, verse 21. Yeah, we left off on 20. Let's take off from 21 through 27. From that time, so still the same thing, right? Peter just was revealed to him who Christ was. He just told him not to tell anybody yet, but here's, here's what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day to be raised again to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him again. Peter, the very man, the two verses prior, Jesus said, upon your faith, I will build my church. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Oh my gosh, you get this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So we haven't seen that in the rich young ruler. We're we're not seeing that with Peter yet. So I say that to say they're human. We're human. This is a lot of new information coming their way. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory. There's hope with his angels. And he will will reward each person according to what they have done. I think this is funny. This is just a little aside that he goes from this rock. How quickly did a rock become a stumbling stone? (laughs) That was so funny. In, In the original language, it's another word for like small stone. And I thought that was so funny, man. Like, like, we can be called something, but our pride will get in the way and we'll become this big and trip some brother up. Ah, I thought that was so good. 
So, so let, let's keep going here. Here's what we have. Peter understands two things, faith and hope. There's one huge, huge thing he did not understand, which was the mission of Jesus. He didn't get it. It, 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 it was, quote, unquote, revealed. Remember, we're talking about what is revealed. It was revealed to him, but he wasn't accepting it. So he had faith. Who is Jesus? I have faith. What is hope? Well, wow, I just, I just heard that he's the hope. He's the future. He's going to build a church. But I don't yet understand his mission. And this is where a lot of us do get tripped up. Again, everybody say human. Everybody say, I eat lunch, like I go to bed, like we're human. Okay, we're all human. But I want to talk to you guys about a very, 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 very important woman in the Bible. Because how many of you guys know that Jesus had to go to women to move the world? This is a very important story that I want to tell you guys. Again, Peter did not understand the mission of Jesus, but I want to tell you about someone who did. Let's turn a few pages over. Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13. Let me give you guys a second to get there. Matthew 26, 6 through 13. You guys there? Matthew 26, 6 through 13 says this. While Jesus was was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper... A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they said. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are, talking about this very act. So what does this have to do? How does this correlate to all these other characters? The rich young ruler and Peter. Love. Love. I want you guys to understand the, the context behind this. So we understand the disciples were upset, and rightly so. This is about, imagine a year's wages, right? This is a year. It just poured out on someone's head. First off, that's a weird situation. Imagine if you're at lunch and someone pours perfume on your head. So that enough is weird, but knowing that that was extremely expensive, that could have been given to the poor. Well, there's a few other things happening. Jesus had just mentioned that soon I will be killed. You see, here's the, here's the context and here's what this woman understood. She understood not only who Jesus was, what he needed to do, and because of that, she responded in love. Do you guys know that at the time when people were buried and they were rich, they would be buried with like spices and they'd be covered in oils and fragrances so the bodies wouldn't smell bad. What do we know about Jesus? How did Jesus die? Well, he died on a cross. That was for criminals. Criminals were thrown out. Criminals would be dropped off in a valley full of other dead bodies. So what this woman did was understand two things. Number one, the mission of Jesus, that he had to die for us. 
He had to die. But that compassion led her to say, I will not let Jesus die a criminal, for he is not a criminal. If it weren't for this woman, guys, Jesus wouldn't have had, he would not have received the type of treatment that he is required as a king. He would have been thrown out like a criminal. So you guys have to understand something. Put this, put this like in context. This was a sacrifice. This was a sacrifice for this woman to say, I will not let my Lord die a criminal's death. I will not let that happen. It's gonna cost me everything, but it's all I've got. And I'm gonna give this to him because I know who he is. And I know what he has to do and it's for me. So I'm gonna bring my sacrifice to the table. Do you know how much revelation that takes? Do you know how much faith and hope that takes? To be able to say, Lord, I love you so much, I'm gonna give everything to you, everything. And I'm gonna look like a fool. And I'm gonna get low. And when I get low, the world's gonna tell me, look at that woman on the ground. Wow, because she knows who she's dealing with. Jesus himself says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So we see this sacrifice of Jesus being revealed and this woman knows it and gives her all to it. I want you guys to make this real, like make this real for yourself. Two days later, he's walking to Golgotha carrying the cross and, and, and Simon, not the, not the uh, disciple, comes and carries the cross with him. And what did he smell like? He smelled like her sacrifice. That means that Pilate smelled him. That means that Pilate got an opportunity to question why does this criminal smell like this? Why does he smell good? And then, and then I imagine like the guards who were beating him saying, why does this smell good? This makes no sense. He's carrying the cross and Simon's next to him carrying the cross saying, why do you smell like this? And then I had this thought that even hell itself smelled him. Even hell, even hell understood the sacrifice of a woman who knew. Is that us today? Is that us? Are we a people that knows in faith who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and we are responding in a place of love? What is that love? Everything. Everything we have. And like the rich young ruler, I know that causes us to look back and be like, oh, but I have a lot. What are you comparing it to? You got the hope of glory living inside of you, wanting to reveal more of who he is to you. And what is our response? Let's start with love. Let's start with love. Because I want you guys to know this. And as the band comes up in a, in a little bit, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand in just a second, stay comfy, cozy for just a little bit longer. But what I want you guys to realize is this, is that we all have our own jar and Jesus knows what it is. And man, he just wants you to be free of all of the distractions that's keeping you from realizing who he is. Everything you're looking for, everything that you're wondering, what is my purpose, who am I supposed to become, is in that one name is Jesus. And I know, guys, like that, that might sound like, okay, I've heard it a million times, but it's not real yet to me. Well, here's my point. Here's my point. Here's what we need to, here's what we need to ask ourselves. Where is Jesus wanting to reveal who he is in my life? Because he's always there. So where is he? And it's not like a game of Marco Polo. Where, like, I have to say a magic word and then he'll respond to me with another magic word. Where's your hope? What's it set in? And then lastly is this. 
Have you heard his love for you? Have you heard his love for you? Like in a world that, that might try to condemn you and say, Do, you don't even know who Jesus is. Why would you teach me about Jesus? Or, or you think that God is going like this to you. I got to tell you guys, like you are saints in the order of Jesus. You are in the army of the king, the alpha and the omega. No one here is a bench sitter. You ain't on the bench. You're not. You're not some B-string quarterback. You're on the front line. And the world is looking for hope. The world is looking for someone to respond and to give their all. Guys, we're, we're, we're living in a time where, where it's, it's now or never. And I, probably, I know that every single generation has probably said something similar, but I think we all can agree. It's like now or never. And all that Jesus wants to do is reveal who he is to you. Who is he? What do I do with you, Lord? After you reveal to me who you are, what do I do? I'll start with love. What does love look like? Well, let's look to Jesus. Jesus gave his all. Jesus gave his life, knowing you by name. Knowing all the kids you would have, knowing the jobs you would have, knowing the hardships you would go through, he still chose you individually and then says, I love you every day, every day. And for those that are wondering, well, he doesn't know that. No, I promise. Sergio said it. He knows you the most. He knows all the things, all the things that you feel, well, Lord, I don't want to tell you because I'm actually disappointed or I'm hurt or I'm confused. There's that condemnation voice saying, well, you don't know who Jesus is. Guys, don't get this wrong. Like, let's, let's be free knowing that Jesus is, hey, it's me. I just want to show you who you are. Did you guys catch that? You see, in turn, when we learn more about Jesus, we get to know more about ourselves because we're made in his image and we're made for his purpose. I opened this, this, this morning with saying that we are all made for glory. You are part of the Alpha and the Omega. We have to understand that. You're not a bench warmer. You are part of the Alpha and the Omega. That is inside of you. When are we going to have faith that leads us to hope that requires a sacrifice called love? So I said earlier, I went like this. What are you searching for? What are you needing to be revealed to you? We all have it. And I want you guys to stand and we're gonna do just a few minutes of ministry time. I'm gonna give you guys a second to stand and I want you guys to be postured because I have faith. I have faith that what you are looking for, you can receive in the name of Jesus. What is it? Well, let's start with faith. Who is Jesus? What do I do with him? Lord, what are the distractions that are in the way? Is it my own voice? Am I getting in the way? Am I comparing your riches in heaven to any type of tiny little glory I have on this side of heaven? What is it that's getting in the way? Because we have to understand that Jesus is a jealous lover. And what I mean by that is he will not let anything get in the way of his love for you. It's fierce. It's something that that we shouldn't take lightly. Like when we say the alpha and the omega is coming for you, he's coming for you because he loves you, because he can't wait for you to realize how good he is.
so I see, here's what I see. I see us and I like get emotional thinking about like the times where we have seeked him. And we've all been there. We've all, we've all been seeking and it's hard. There were moments where, when Savannah and I thought, will we ever have a baby? Not hurt. But I remember seeking the Lord. And I remember just at least having enough, enough faith to say, Lord, at least I know you are Jesus. And here's my honest truth, guys. This is not, I'm not trying to make anything up. I heard Jesus say, is that enough for you? Is it enough for you to realize that you're on my team, that I died for you, that you are free, that the lies that you hear are lies? And then that started to build my hope. And I started to hope for a future, a future in Jesus. And again, I heard him say, is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? Well, what's my definition of enough? There's the rich young ruler. See, the rich young ruler story is how much is enough? And Jesus says, only I am enough. And then the rich young ruler says, well, actually, no, I think that's enough. And I'm going to put my faith in that. And then Peter says, well, okay, I understand you just told me the hope, but I'm not going to let you do it. And Jesus says, my will be done. My will be done. And I will do it for you. That's hope. And then hope becomes love. But first, we realize how much we are loved. So I want to open up this time. We're not, we're, we're going to officially dismiss in a little bit, but here's what I feel. Let's make time for Jesus. Make time for Jesus. What does he want to reveal to you? What is that hope that lives inside of you that he's just dying? I'm going to say it this way, that he did die for you to realize. So I want, I want let's, if you're not already, let's close our eyes. Parents, now is the time. Let's go get our kiddos. Bring them in here. I want them to see what people look like seeking Jesus. You see, guys, this world and this next generation is looking for those who are seeking the Father. That's us. So let me pray for us. The band's going to play. I would encourage you, meet with Jesus. Start with, who are you, Lord? Next, let your hope build. And then ask, what is my response in love? Lord, we seek you today, knowing who you are, knowing who you are, and putting our hope in you. Now, Lord, we ask you, what is our response in love, Lord? For those that have cried out and cried out and cried out, there is an answer. There is an answer, and that answer is Jesus to be revealed more to you. So, Father, we we make room for you right now to receive all the things you have for us. We worship you, Lord. We set a place for you now where we just simply receive from you. Guys, we're going to stay in this moment. We're officially dismissed. I love you guys dearly. My goal in this is freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. Just try it out. Freedom. Freedom. Say the word freedom. How does that feel? Freedom. (laughs) Freedom. What would your life look like if we were free from the things that we compare ourselves to? Or the things that we put in our way when Jesus just wants to reveal who he is?
Lord, we make space for you. If you've got to roll, the door is open. We love you guys. We're, we're so honored to have you here. We're so honored that you're here. There's a purpose why you're here. It's not just to click off the to-do list. There's a reason why you're here. And it's an honor to have you guys. We love you. We're dismissed. But let's leave some time for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.